I don't actually understand how you've sort of mastered both of them. So that's why the question is, would you like to go back to Red Hawk? The answer again, absolutely not. You could not pay me enough. Uh, why? 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 You've just talked so fondly of it. The, I've lost the skill. I was in it. You know, I was living it. I was riding the bike. I was wearing my skinny jeans. I was listening to a lot of rock and roll. You know, it was like, it was a moment. <laughs> but I don't have the, I don't, man, you know, it's, it's a young man's game. I'm good. I'll watch it. I'll drink the beer um, and watch you young lads duke it out on these breakless suicide bikes. Uh, yeah, it's too, it's too, you know, there's a sweet spot. I hit it when you like, honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm good at bike riding, but I'm not the best. I hit things. I'm, I ride smart. <laughs> I hit this, like, I, I hit the, I hit the discipline when it's like winnable and just peaking, right? Like that's, yeah. Work smart, not hard. Like shit, I hit Red Hook and then it got really hard to win and I couldn't win it anymore. So I went over to Gravel. Sure enough, won a bunch of those and now they're really hard to win and I might just go work on diesel trucks. (laughs) Well, that was Colin Strickland, the king of Gravel, the king of Red Hook, I had him on the pod last week, and of course, I've got him right here on Talking Luft this week. Guys, welcome to Life in the Peloton, Talking Luft, presented by Rafa. I've got a cracking episode, as always, for you this week. As I said, Colin Strickland, Talking Luft. Colin, of course, is working with Rafa as well, and I loved hearing his opinion on working with the company, because I have an opinion, you guys have got an opinion, but I thought, what's his opinion on working with Rafa and what they're trying to create? this love for cycling. Colin, working with Rafa, it's not only just about sort of developing kit or getting to wear the kit. It's actually sort of what they're trying to do is make everyone fall in love with cycling. This idea, this, you know, this passion behind the company. It's not just about kit. It's also about cycling and the, and the, the culture. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a dream working with a company that, is a, that believes in the power of cycling as much as I do. They really put a force behind just trying to bring the sport to more riders and, you know, thereby growing the ridership and growing, you know, growing the experience, the cycling experience that we're all sharing together. Um, And it's, yeah, it's, they're just wholeheartedly dedicated to bringing new ridership in, you know, whether people are serious racers, whether they're passionate about, you know, becoming a competitive bike racer, whether they're just enjoying riding with their friends. Uh, you know, all of these rides are equally significant, equally impor- as important for the sport. And yeah, Rafa has been, you know, it's been amazing to watch them really embrace all aspects of cycling. Well, like I said, talking Luff with Colin Stricko Strickland, nothing more to say here, guys. Sit back, strap in and enjoy the episode. All right, Strico, mate, what's your nickname actually? Is it Strico? Arturo. Arturo, the bull. That's my middle name. We'll go with Arturo. Strico is good too, though. I've never heard that. One of my best mates is Alex Strickland, and his nickname is started off as Strico, went to Strickle, Strickle D. So, yeah. Oh, boy. All right, let's stick with Arturo. I'm half Scotch Irish and half Mexican. Okay, wow. That's, That's a handful. All right, we're here at Talking Luft. I've got Colin Strickland. Mate, 
Don't know if you know how this works, but more or less it's four topics this year, style, bikes, culture, and about you. And then we've got a few little questions underneath that. Pretty easy. You ready to rock and roll? Let's do this. All right, style. Always starts with caskets, capolinos, small mini cycling caps, whatever you want to call them. What is your style? How do you wear yours? I'm talking about when you don't have a helmet on. So when you're walking around or when you have a helmet on, whatever it is, what is your style? What's the gravel style? Ooh, let's see. The gravel style for the uh, cycling cap, that's a good one. It's It would be, I mean, most of us are, are pretty, uh, most gravel cyclists are relatively new. Mm. So it's pretty pulled down. It's like full engaged. Yeah, right. Skull cap. Yeah, right. No look. Yeah, skull cap. That's just, you know, and I like to I like to reflect what people are doing. So I do that too to make everyone feel like, you know, they're part of the part of the even without a helmet on. Even without a helmet on. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's a cap, right? You're supposed to pull it all the way down. I, I assume it's, you know, it's not pretty, but it's just how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it crosses across the, the, the cap, the casket. It crosses across to the gravel. It certainly does. It is often given out as a mm. participatory, uh, you know, a, a bit of a token of, of participation. Comes in the, it comes in the goodie bag, if you will. So, yeah, just slam that thing. Yeah. Slam that capper. What are you doing with the brim? Up or down? Brim, I keep, I keep it down. I don't, I don't look real good with a, with a flip brim. Yeah, so. right. Okay. I don't know why, but uh, it makes me self-conscious. It's got to do with the no luft. You might have to bring the luft into the, uh, into the gravel scene. People will be like, what are you doing? I should. I should. I should. But then, you know, when you like anxiously throw your he- helmet on, it might like pinch it. and Yeah, that's true. It's all these extra steps. You do need to pull it down a bit when you put a helmet on. I will, I will admit that. Um, when I've got my helmet on, there's zero luft as well. So- all right, if you could have raced back in the day, or maybe you did it, because I think in the US you can train without a helmet too. Um, what is your style without a helmet, if you could have or if you have? What about when you were sort of commuting around? You know, what was your style? Do you sort of just run like a massive sombrero style, you know, or would you just be hair, maybe a capolino? Good question. I did a lot of commuting actually in on <laughs> in traffic with a Capolino only. Uh, oh yeah, back in college. Yeah, really foolish stuff. Like really ridiculous. Well, um, how did you have it? Forward facing or rever- um, reverse? Yeah, usually forward facing. Usually forward facing. Skull capped. Often no shirt. No shirt. Oh yeah, I'll send you a photo, man. <laughs> I'll send you a photo of me in my first alley cat race that I, you know, that we spoke about in the, yeah. in the pod recently. I'll send you a photo of that. I have a photo of me at a checkpoint. Yeah. No shirt, jeans, skinny, no shirt, skinny jeans and a capolino. Full pants. <laughs> I think I had a helmet on. But I, I, I raced that race, 35 mile breakneck race in pants. No shirt. Jeans. Yeah. I love it. It's a different time, man. Different time. So good. Do you shave your legs? Not anymore. Why did you shave your legs? Uh, peer pressure, man. Mm. I think it's a ridiculous waste of water. Yeah, true. What about if you just do it, you know, some people do it with the clippers. Yeah, I mean, that's plenty. I'm not I'm not against it entirely. But yeah, the razor is just like, it's got to be all or nothing. It just becomes ridiculous. It's just like a vanity ridiculousness. It is. I agree. It, it takes maintenance. It takes every like few days you have to... Be on it. It's like, why are we doing this, man? Why are we all (laughs) slaves to this ridiculous (laughs) tradition? (laughs) 
Did you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Benefits of gravel racing is like much more lenient on the like Ian Boswell, you know, and I usually don't have shaved legs. So no, I've, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I've done, I've shaved my legs twice this year. So what are we at? April. Um, and I just sort of, my things were getting pretty bear-esque though. I mean, like as in a grizzly bear. Um, yeah. So they're catching just, flies. Yeah, that was huge. It was huge. And I was like, is that because of all the years that I have shaved it? Now it's just like that theory, you know, that people go, well, if you shave, it's just going to go back twice as strong. So I've got like 15 yeah. years of shaving. So times a billion is my, you know, yeah. hair now. A lot of life force in the follicles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, did you wear um, back in the day X-Pro kit or did you always just wear sort of plain branded stuff or, you know, what was your style when you sort of started getting into cycling? Were you like oh, sourcing out some, you know, postal stuff or? Yeah. my I had, a, I had a friend who was one of my like early cycling kind of like, you know, influencers. Um, he was on this team with, uh, have you heard of Ultra Romance? No. The, the, he's like a he's like a, a kind of a, an adventure rider in in the U.S. Ultra romance. He's just like he wears just Capolino, usually shirtless. <laughs> but he and my buddy were on a were on a, a local team, uh, and they had been racing in. They had been in Europe, uh, and they had bought a bunch of used Euro kit from the aughts. So I bought I bought this lot of like for two hundred dollars, like all of these completely blown out <laughs> kits from him. Awesome. It was amazing. I can't remember exactly all the stuff because it was pretty off brand, like Belgian kits. So I had all this really like obscure kit for the first year I was riding. <laughs> That's so awesome. Like, so ragged out, like all blown out. That's how it should Worst start. Camp. You know, the like, worst champs this. Everybody should wear trash. Yeah, you have to. That's what. I, that's my problem with with like riders these days. There's all these phenoms who are arriving. Like Mo Wilson is just like winning everything it's right off the bat. Yeah, like you guys never had to race criteriums in crappy kit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not right. You're missing out. The experience uh, blown out mix match kit exactly that's where it five has to year start. old chamois in a <laughs> life threatening criterium is part of the process exactly <laughs> oh brilliant all right let's move on to the next topic bikes rmg road bike mountain bike or gravel bike one bike of choice what would it be like now yeah right now probably mountain bike probably mountain bike yeah because I need to work on that, and it's it's really engaging and fun. Uh, but no, really, gravel bike. I tell everyone to just buy a gravel bike. If you want a road bike, well, still buy a gravel bike and maybe get some road tires on. Yeah, that's a good call. But, I mean, it's just the most practical bicycle. Mm. Who doesn't love traction? I'm always trying to convince everyone in the road ride, couldn't we all just ride 38s and just not get punctures anymore? <laughs> on the road? No one would go faster. We'd all go at the same speed. It's this arms race to go faster in the group ride and- <laughs> We're getting Get more punctured. We're getting closer. Like I'm running 32s on the road now. It won't be long. Yeah, depending on the group, I'll run 38s. But if it's a bunch of hitters, I'm yeah, I'm like, oof, I'll get it with 28s out for this. Oh, geez. I thought I'm gonna get dropped. It's been a rough year, man. <laughs> All right, when you're going out on the bunches, are you a social bunch rider or you like to do like an hour of power? Just get out early bunch and just smash it out. I haven't been riding in a lot of bunches, honestly. Austin is it's not really a pro biker city. So there's not a lot of people doing, I mean, there's a lot of riders, but there aren't a lot of riders doing big hours. So it's, it's a lonely life, man. Mm. My big thing this year was like, since I have this workshop was like doing a long, maybe a hundred K loop to the shop, which is, and then like riding the 30, you know, the, the 
40K back to Austin. I would ride to the shop, put on coveralls over my kit, work on projects for three hours, and then ride back. Over your kit? Over my kit. That's just what motivated me to get out the door this year. It, it's, you know, it's been a chat. It's been a struggle this year. And that's, that was part of it. It was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I have coveralls. I'm going to ride to the shop and then ride home. Would you just put, I get to do the stuff I want to do while I'm there. Would you just put your bike shoes straight into like big boots and just keep your shoes on as well? Keep the shoes. <laughs> yes. Mountain bike shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Would you? No way. Bizarre. My life is really bizarre, man. Did I you have, have mountain bike bizarre. shoes on all day working with kid on? Specialized. They're comfy. That is incredible. I can't believe you did that. Yeah, that's what was getting me out the door before I came out to California for a sea otter. Oh my gosh, that's serious chamois time. It was serious. It was pretty gross. I would usually hose off, but yeah, still gross. <laughs> uh, do you have a Do you have a strap? Glamorous man. <laughs> Not at all, but great. I love hearing it. Do you have a Strava account? I do. Do you hunt comms, KOMs? KOMs were never really my jam because I don't go uphill fast and. I seem to always miss the wind. So, you know, but what was the question about? What about KOMs? Do you hunt them? Like, do you go for them? Do you source Whoa. them out? Do you look for them? Do you like, oh, there's one no, up the road? Not anymore. Nah. Disappointment. Disappointment. Did you ever? <laughs> Honestly, very rarely did I, would I ever research one. I would kind of like, if I was feeling good on a ride, I will often like be like, here's a hill. It's probably a KOM, but I never know where the start and the end is. So it's always kind of like a crapshoot. Yeah. So I might time it right. You know, you're like, oh, here's a cross street at the top of a hill. This is probably the end, but you never really know. Um, I used to have a lot in Austin and then people just got just got cruel and started hunting them. Right. That's my my exact theory. Like I I can't be bothered researching them. I haven't synced up because now I've heard that you can do it on your on your Wahoo or whatever it is. But I'm like, I'm the same as you. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty hard hill here. I reckon from the start of this sign, there's a sign here. There's a sign at the top somewhere around there. Maybe I'll go 10 meters early, 10 meters longer. And then I get home and realize like, I didn't even get it anyway. I wasn't even close. I got like top 10. I always say I'm a social racer though. I just like the, I like the act of racing other humans, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I'm good at is like the the whole gamesmanship and Mm -hmm. the, you know, the group, the social racing, not just the solo stuff or like the riding alone up a hill. <laughs> not particularly good at hills. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about your favorite training loop. I know you've got to have one out there um, and describe it because someone's going to know it. Tell me about that. Yeah, let's see. In, in my hometown? Yeah, it could be anywhere. Or maybe yeah. not. Hometown of Austin. Uh, my favorite training loop is anything that takes me through this little town called Lockhart that I've been spending most of my time because it's like, that's the quadrant of Lock of Austin. That's really like Southeast of Austin. Most of it's just the boom town, crazy busy roads, but it's kind of like, it's the only place that's area that still has gravel mm. near Austin. Still, they're all getting paved over. Austin doesn't really have any gravel roads. Wow. To speak of. There's no gravel riding in Austin, but you can go to this little town and you get about 10% of your ride will be gravel. Is that all? But yeah, that's, yeah, they're all getting paved over because locals are, you know, obviously just wanting to tarmac to drive on. So where do you get your gravel cars in? Not many. In the race. But this town of Lockhart, you know, is 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 kind of the epicenter of the gravel nowadays in Austin. In Austin, near Austin, hmm. there's nothing really though. You don't really get gravel cars in Austin. Where do you test your equipment out if you need to test it? Well, I got my equipment pretty dialed at this point, but um, 
Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's that's a good question. Um, out in Lockhart, I guess. Yeah, yeah, out in Lockhart, do a long loop for, you know, hmm. a good five hours through Lockhart, you'll get twenty percent, but it's not much. Yeah, right. Interesting. Didn't Things know that. are changing, man. Everything, everything changes. We're on that. Remember that curve? Yeah. Where, uh, yeah. You that's you got to enjoy it while it's you enjoy it while it's good. Get it while it's good. Yeah. All right. A rider comes towards you. Are you a wave person? A simple nod gesture. What is your action as a rider comes towards you? I'm a big waver. Yeah, I like right. Connecting with every cyclist I see, or at least trying to. <laughs> what do you often reject it? But <laughs> yeah. <doesn't> me. <laughs> often rejected. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. I'm a, yeah, I'm a shameless waver. I wave at everybody. I like to try to keep the community, you know, tight. We're all in this together, right? Tell me about your best bike of all time. One of those bikes, that maybe it's right now. Maybe it could have been just something that was really crap, but you just love that bike. What is that bike that you think about and you go, you know what, that bike, I just loved it. I don't know why, but I did. I really like the, the Allied that I won, the Allied Able that I won Unbound on, and mm. I sold it. I don't know. Idiot. I don't know why. I'm not really. What? You idiot. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not a real nostalgic person, but you know, I also raced it all year and uh and got one just like it. So I was like, oh, I don't need this this blue one anymore. But they don't make the blue anymore, and it's it was a great bike. Yeah, it's a great bike. Plus the history of it of the Unbound. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm not, I was I was much less nostalgic at the time because I was like, oh, I'll win more. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll win anymore now. I was like, I need that bike. Where uh, that? Who's got the bike? Go track it down. Oh, uh, you know, because that might be that might be it, man. The naiveness of the early part of your career that definitely happened to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on this great trajectory, and I realized like at the end of my career, I'm like, they were the best years. That second year of my career, <laughs> yeah, that was it. That <laughs> yeah. was peaking. Yeah, no, that was peak. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right, Colcher, let's move on. Favorite race um, of all time? Could be a race you've done. Could be a race that you would love to do. What is the favorite race for you? Favorite race in single race? Mm. Man, Oregon Trail is a ridiculous five-day stage race where you have to camp at each. Yeah, and there's actually people transporting a big bin of your camping equipment, but it's a stage race in Oregon. In the Western U.S. and it is brutal, and you camp every night, and it is an amazing event. I put, I went 2019. I went uh, to that race, mm. and I crashed so hard the first day. Road rash, 35 miles per hour, like down a hill, reached for a bottle, and just ragdolled. And I <laughs> was showering in like gymnasiums, and I was road rashed the entire time camping, yet still had a really damn good time. You know, like out of GC, just enjoyed the damn event and it was still so good. So, yeah, if, if I could enjoy it with a body covered in road rash, it must be good. So, Oregon Trail. Do you do, have you done that again or do you do that every year? No, I hope to do it this year. Uh, I didn't do it last year. It's, 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 a, it's a haul to get out there, but, um, and it's a big block of time, hmm. but it was just so good. I hope to get back this year. What? And it's an experience. <laughs> Five days in the mountains. Is it on trail, as you said? Like, is it on single trail or is it on, like, roads? It's on gravel roads mostly. Yeah, okay. What about your favorite rider of all time? Favorite rider of all time? That's a great question. Let's see. Uh, Man, uh, my favorite rider, I I would say based on just um, one race, I would would say he endeared himself um, 
into my my heart. I'm such a shit sports fan. Um, I'm I'm literally trying. I'm like blanking on my favorite writer of all time's name. That's all right. Mitch Dogger. That's right. Mitch Dogger, favorite writer of all time. Favorite writer right now. Favorite writer right now. Pete Stetna, man. Yeah, I like right. what he does. He's like he has gotten himself into such a good headspace. Like he was a little bit. He was a little bit overzealous when he first came into the gravel scene. You know, in terms of like. He was hungry and he was like really hungry and it was kind of intense. But now he's just like at peace and he's he's really good at riding. He's so good at riding. Like, yeah, and he's just such a nice guy and so positive. And yet he'll kick your ass like yeah. so hard and such a nice guy. Like the first race of the year, Unbound, is five-hour race and he averaged 291 average. And he's 145 pounds. He's light and he's putting out so much power. Yeah. Very impressive. Maintaining a good attitude, that's the most important thing. I do I do agree with you. Like when he first went across, it was you see a different guy to what he is now. Um, not that I knew anything yeah. about that. I could only view it from the outside. Yeah, and it really was true. Like he was just I think it just the world like world tour had just kind of like it burns sometime. And mm. it's just like when things don't go your way, it's a lot of luck. And I don't feel like he had been, you know, he'd just been riding for other people his whole career and now he gets to ride for himself and it's just fulfilling. Tell me about your favorite kit that you've seen out there. Maybe it was something you watched in the road. Maybe it was one of the kits that you've got made in the last few years. What is your favorite kit that you've loved? I liked my my 2021 kit. I really liked the the green, almost like ceramicist fired kit. I, I liked that one a lot. That was a That was a solid one. I've still been enjoying wearing that. Usually I'll get tired of a kit after like eight months. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to wear the inline stuff again and like reset. But that kit I really like. Awesome. My Rafa 2021 was like a solid, solid one. What about a war story, mate? You're definitely going to have one of these. One of those days where you're just like, oh, you know, this was a day. What is the Colin Strickland Stricko war story? Uh, The day, pretty much the day that COVID blanket was like, our awareness was come. It was sweeping the na- the national like in the U.S. at least. Twenty twenty one, I think, it was March twentieth. Mm. Uh, Mid South gravel race was a hundred mile long red clay gravel race in pissing rain at like two degrees Celsius was the starting temp. Yeah. Raining in mud for a hundred mi- hundred and five miles and we we're just covered in red clay. The bikes are covered in red clay. Nope. <laughs> Like no bike change. And it was just this awful, ridiculous character building experience. Pete broke a chain. Payson McKelvin ended up winning because he's just like built for that shit. And he's just like such a good bike rider and smart bike rider. Uh, And it was just like, I got second somehow. I was almost quitting. Uh, But yeah, it was just like six hours of freezing. I don't do well in the cold. And it was like character building experience. (laughs) You're questioning what the hell you're doing out there the whole time. You're like, what am I seriously doing? I'm supposed to be enjoying this stuff. And now I'm actually hating life. Oh yeah. It was, it was insane. I mean, it was, and then not only that, but like halfway through the day, the wind kicked up and dried all the clay out, the, the rain up and it turned like peanut butter for everyone else who was doing like so the riders at the front got through it and we're like, oh, that was terrible. And then 12 hours later, there's people coming in carrying her bike that looks like a mud ball. Can't even ride the thing with like broken derailleurs. And I'm just like, oh my God, my day was fine. Never mind. That was easy because we're riding through like 
slot, like yeah. like soft or like watery mud, and then it dried to peanut butter clay. Oh my god! Like probably like Aussie mud. Yeah, shit, you like you can't ride it, especially if it you just got stick, stick, stick. no clearance. If you got no clearance, you decide to just go up a tire width. You're like, yeah, that'll be all right. You know, it's tiny. Like I got like half a centimeter worth of clearance. Bam, bam. Yeah, yeah man. Um, I was gonna back to favorite rider. <laughs> Obviously, I'm really passionate about you know following riders. Uh, Luca Paolini. Oh wow, yeah, right. Why so? Um. I, I, for, I forget which race. Maybe it was Gent Webblegem, the wind apocalypse. Mm. I just think that was the coolest. That's the coolest race. 216, Gent Webblegem. Yeah. With the wind, cross, like the winds blowing trees down, blowing riders into ditches, blowing. Yeah, it was insane. And then hit the way he raced it, he was like off the front group, got back on, and then just like timed an attack, just like totally unsuspecting, committed to it, and just rode it like. No problem. Like, just bossed it. It was cool. Mate, that's great because I was going to ask you most rewatchable race. Would that be your most rewatchable race? 216 against Wavelgum? I think so. It's the most, I mean, those, I mean, we all say like, we all love to watch the crazy bullshit, right? Mm. But it's probably so stressful to ride it. Just like Paris-Roubaix 2021 was probably absolute. Were you in that one? I was, yeah. That was my last race. Yeah, it was, God. and that's a th- fun to watch. They, they're talking about moving it to um, October now, full time, Roubaix, and um, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'm just watching the race now. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel the cold anymore. Yeah, not at home. It's more fun to watch than to actually race. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's get into this last topic about you. A few little questions yeah. here. BWS, beer, wine, or spirits? What's your choice of poison? Unfortunately, I'm kind of have an affinity for all of them. Ah, oh, you got to just got to choose them. one. All right, we'll just go with some spirits. Then ah, whiskey. That's a tidy one. I thought you'd say that because not many people say spirits. If any, I don't think I've ever had a spirits. And I thought, you know what? I reckon he's probably going to go for spirits. I don't know why. I just sort of had that feeling. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of I, I like I like the taste of spirits, mm. you know. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'll get it down to just to like get drunk." But like I like sipping spirits. What about like bourbon? I like I like bourbons. I like mezcal. I like strong flavored spirits, man. Just straight up. Yeah. What about like yeah, what about like gins and vodkas? Uh, not as I'll, I don't mind a good gin cocktail, a negroni or something or a but honestly, a so vodka and gin less mm. so straight up, but but a good whiskey, a good bourbon, or good tequila, mezcal straight up. Yeah, I like I like mezcal better than tequila. I like tequila as well, but I just did a trip with Ian Boswell to the Jalisco tequila region of Mexico. That was absolutely stunning. It was like the wine region, but it was like a wine region, but with blue agave, like just fields as far as you could see of just these beautiful, like just perfectly formed blue agave plant change your opinion on tequila now like when you drink it outside of there oh yeah i mean it was just it was seeing the region it's coming from was pretty pretty incredible yeah it's definitely piqued my interest to dive in more but Mm. again tough on the tough on the old uh, bike racer lifestyle more (laughs) things that you can't do on when you're a pro bike racer right let's add that to the list no what about what not to do to win (laughs) perry roubaix get really into tequila (laughs) Spirits. Like, can't do that. Oh. What about coffee? What's your coffee drink? What do you? What's your coffee routine? Do you just drink sort of 
filter stuff or you like, you know, run through an Italian style, start with your cappuccinos, move into espresso in the afternoon. What's your coffee routine? I'm a morning, a morning percolator drip coffee drinker. Nice. I don't really even, I don't like milk with it. Maybe some nut milk, but usually just black coffee. First thing in the morning, um, I, I tend to have some trouble with insomnia, so I, I don't drink coffee after after midday because that can lead to insomnia for me. But early in the morning, absolutely black coffee mm. every day. What's your favorite cross training exercise if you do one? Hmm, uh, rock fit, which is landscaping. Oh, right. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Like lifting up rocks, you know, you just move rocks around or dig holes in the dirt, you know. Cool, like it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Favorite, you know what I mean? Like wearing like gym shoes and no, stuff. No, no, that, that's, that's good. I like it. It's just something different. Like, like something that's really not peddling. work. Like yeah. find some shit that needs to be done. Uh, these days I have a lot of heavy shit lying around my shop and uh, move it around where it needs to go and uh, call that cross training. Use good form, I, you know, and then. Uh, I agree. Like the thing, sometimes when I feel like I've been a bit lazy or doing sort of paperwork all day, I don't have time or can't be bothered going for a ride. I'll just like go out the back and get the chainsaw out and start doing some work on stuff yeah. that needs to get done, you know, and you just, you, yeah. you're screwed at the end for a different reason. Yeah. You're mm. like, oh, no, I feel accomplished. I actually got some shit done that needed to be done. And I got a workout in, you know, if that's what you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's a win. If you um, have headphones in when you go out riding or when you're just around, what's in your headphones? Is it music? Is it podcasts? What do you like to listen to? It's usually music for me. It's a fun time to just kind of explore. I'll do Spotify radio station and kind of explore bands I am interested in and it's, you know, kind of branch off from there. Um, I like listening to also KCRW, which is an LA public radio. They have a, an eclectic 24, kind of a, an actual DJ curated continuous stream of music that can be kind of good sometimes. Hmm. But yeah, it's music for me. Hmm. Uh, that's a big part of <laughs> the plus of riding, spending five, six hours out on a bike is getting to listen to music. Mate, and the last question, what is the best thing about riding a bike for you? Um, you know, something you've sort of transitioned to sort of later on in your life, not that late, but, you know, compared to everyone else who starts um, racing when they're younger, what's this thing that keeps you out on the bike all these hours um, with so many other interests? What's the best thing about riding a bike for you? Riding a bike just makes me feel more alive in general. And I'm a firm believer in and I, I think you could say this of any endurance cardiovascular oriented, you know, running or swimming. It's really just, it's flushing all of your blood through flushing your, it's like changing the fluids in your body mm. every day. You're like flushing all of your blood through your liver, through your kidneys, through your lungs. And it like filters out as humans, we carry a lot of our like stresses in chemical form and it, it kind of resets your kind of emotional and chemical emotional balance by just when you pump blood through your body at like an accelerated like heart rate for say an hour, two hours, three hours, you do get a reset. And it, it really kind of can, you know, maybe pull out a lot of the chemicals that are kind of stressing you out or that you're mm. carrying the heaviness or whatever, the angst, anxiety, and just give you a good reset. And that's kind of what I miss when I don't ride. I start to feel more wound up and yeah, I think that's it. The, the, a simple, unscientific way to put it. But I'm a believer in that. Mate, that's awesome. I haven't had that answer before and I really love it. I agree with that 100%. Thanks for coming on Talking Luff, mate. It's been great chatting to you the last, uh, the last week. Absolutely. Thank you, Mitch. Cheers.
there we have it, another talking luft. Colin Strickland, I love talking to him actually. He was a great guy. I loved hearing his talking luft, all the different style because he's not from road, so I had to twist it around a little bit. And of course he had some great answers. A great guy, I hope we cross paths along the way this year as I'm entering his world of the scene, his cycling world. And uh, well, maybe I can hang with him for a little bit before he drops me. But anyway, he is the king of gravel. It was great having him on the pod. I'd love to hear what you guys think. I've had some feedback over the last week from his episode. Some great feedback. People loved hearing about his story. Guys, as always, a massive thanks goes to Lara behind the scenes, Will Jones who produced this episode, and of course Rafa who are making this happen. I was just on a pilgrimage up to Beechworth with the Rafa crew. A bloody great time. They are a great group of guys and on the road, but also off the road over there in London, over here in Australia, and the rest of the world. I'm having a great time working with them this year. As always, there'll be another episode next week. I'm talking to Esteban Chavez. He was an old teammate of mine at Orica Green Edge. Now he's in my team. I'm not over there with them anyway in Europe, but he's in EF Education. He's a Colombian. He's got a great story, and he's getting ready for the Giro. So guys, next week will be Esteban. Hang in for that, and until then, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.